I'm starting this with a bit of a somber mood today. Um, welcome to another podcast from BetfairTradingCommunity.com with me, your host Martin, because I want to make an apology. Right, I want to make an apology, and I want to admit when I'm wrong, and I want to admit when basically I've had a stinker, and that happened this week. So basically. I sent out an email to the members with some selections on Saturday, um, kind of trying to get the, the goals game thing going. I know a lot of you guys have been following my goals game selections over the past few weeks and making a lot of money. And, you know, because so many people had suggested I start emailing them out, I did. Two things struck me as I did it. Number one, it was the first week after an international break little bit of dodgy ground and number two it's always sod's law that when you start something like this <laughs> it starts and goes tits up to start with i mean it does it's funny it just does seem to be that way and you'll see with a lot of members blogs when they start posting selections the first few sometimes will go awry and they'll be like oh this hasn't happened before and it'll often just feel like it's because you posted on there um the problem is that I should never have done this. And and hindsight is 2020. Hindsight's a great thing. And it it was not a great day. It wasn't a disaster in terms of everything went to SH, but they were bad selections. There weren't many goals. I think two of the games only had one goal, which again, with these is incredibly rare. But there were enough red flags that this could have been avoided. Okay, so I talk a little about hindsight. I'm gonna talk now about foresight. Earlier that week, if you remember, you would have seen on the forum, I posted about it being the first week after an international break. And basically saying I wasn't sure if I should trade then. I kind of been having this feeling for a long time that when teams go away for an international break, they get disjointed. They forget where they're at. They forget who they are. And they come back in the first week after an international break. They're a little bit different. Now, this could manifest itself in many ways. It could, it could mean that they're better. They might play better. They might have gained some confidence from the international break. Or, I mean, Leicester's a perfect example. Of that. Or they could play worse and suddenly not know what they're doing and have lost a bit of chemistry. It's amazing the difference two weeks being somewhere else can make to you as a person. Think about it from a footballer's perspective individually. Let's say you went on holiday somewhere for a couple of weeks and you come back. For the first week or so, you feel different, don't you? Maybe you have a little spring in your step. Oh, it was great. I had such a great time. Maybe you have that feeling of, oh, I wish I was still on holiday. You're still thinking about being over there. Maybe you just have the feeling, oh, that was such a tiring experience. I didn't enjoy that. That was horrible. And you're trying to shake that off for about a week or so before you manage to rest up. That's essentially what it will feel like, I believe, for a footballer to go on an international break. You know, most of them are going to different countries. You know, not just like for one day and then they're back again. You know, they go and play these big games in different countries. Maybe they'll go a couple of days early and they'll start to get the flavour of that. 
And of course, these players are used to doing it. A lot of these internationals are used to doing that. But it must be hard to adapt. It must be hard to come straight back in to the everyday again after an international break. I, I think it must be difficult. I couldn't imagine doing it. It's funny, I was talking to was, uh, anyone who listens to podcasts well know I'm a, I'm a big tennis player. And I'm really into my tennis. And I was talking to someone the other day about Raducanu and how much she struggled in the past year. And I said, well, think about it. She's basically lived her life, as most tennis players in this country do, probably being told she was a prodigy from a young age, probably getting pampered left, right and centre. Her parents, I know for a fact how much parents have to spend, how much money they have to spend. So I'll give you a little example. This is a great insight, okay? I know someone who... I was playing mixed doubles with this year and her daughter is like, I think she's about six, right? But she clearly has a really good talent already. Like it's been spotted by the Lancashire coaches and I've seen her play and I was kind of wowed by how well she's playing at that age compared to my son who's also six who, you know, can barely get back on ball, right? Now, of course, you don't have a clue at that age what, what they're going to turn out like, but you could see the potential there. Well, the Lancashire squad said, come train with me for squads. £100 a week this lady is spending on tennis just for that. To get her the basically the best coaching she can have for a reasonable price. And I say a reasonable price because even that feels extortionate to me. That's how much she's paying. So think about the kind of background Radhikanu's come from. Probably a privileged one. I haven't looked into it. I don't know much about it. I just know that not many tennis players in this country will have come from super poor backgrounds. Um, you do have to spend some money, okay? She's probably spent most of her time here in the UK playing on the nicest courts, in the nicest settings. Basically, probably playing people at her age who weren't really up to her level. Suddenly, she goes and performs a miracle in New York. She goes and wins a Grand Slam from nowhere, having barely played on tour. Imagine now, the next year, A, the attention she's getting from press, media, sponsors, going to all these premieres and things, and then also having to train hard enough to play on the tour full-time. Because it's very different going out and playing a match or a tournament and just having a magical run and, and actually having the grind of playing on the WTA tour for a whole year, going to a different country every week, training really hard every day in a different environment on different surfaces, all these different factors at play whilst getting all that attention, getting the sponsorship deals. People kind of ignore all this stuff and just think, oh, you know, she's kind of got too big for her own head. Well, that probably isn't actually what happened what happens most of the time is that people have to adapt to being able to play on the tour full time it's a tough thing to do i admire players who do it because i know how tough it is when you actually stop to think about you know imagine your life your job and you're having to do it at a high level in a different country every week and it was a physically exerting job so yeah that's kind of how I would see that situation. And it makes me think about players who play internationally in football. I feel like it would almost be a similar situation. 
so I'll cut a long story short here. I shouldn't have traded that weekend. And from now on, I'm not going to trade the weekend after international break. I'll wait till the midweek when the players have had a few days to reacclimatize. Um, and I don't think there's anything wrong in doing that. I think sometimes we try and push our trading too much because it's like, well, yeah, but we've just had an international break for two weeks. I don't want to wait another week to have a football trade. The thing is, A, these, these breaks can be an opportunity for you to do the things you need to catch up on. So for me, you know, there's family stuff, there's other things I can catch up on during those international breaks. There's some more stuff I can do for BTC. Because what you've got to remember is that my trading is the first job. So when I switch to BTC stuff, there will be stuff I can catch up on during international breaks. So actually, I, I quite enjoy being able to catch up on stuff. Um, you know, not just social family stuff, but also work stuff with BTC. And I'm sure there's stuff you, you probably have in your spreadsheets and things like that that you can start to you know, catch up on or even maybe analyze, maybe do some analysis of where you're at and where your spreadsheets are at. It can be quite a good time to do that because you do get a reasonable break. So actually trading, not trading during an international break is not the end of the world. Um, now, some people will just say, well, why don't you just trade the international football? I will sometimes do that in major tournaments, depending on if I'm seeing trends when I'm watching games live. But the reality is I'm, I'm you know, I like a lot of my trading and, and betting to be more not having to watch the game. If I can place things before the offset and forget, that's why I'm looking at set and forget so much at the moment, then I'll love to do that. You know, because imagine you get a few profitable systems going, you can place a tons of as many bets as you want if a strategy, you know, suggests that that's what you should do in the morning. And if they get matched, you can leave that and come back. And in theory, you you should make good money over time. Um, to me, that's the ideal scenario. You know, uh, as my family gets older as you know i've got two kids now and things like that i don't really want to be spending my whole day sat in front of my computer screen i want to spend a couple of hours a day doing that and then crack on with other things and i think that's that's kind of what from what i'm gathering from speaking to a lot of you guys that's what most of you want as well um and i think football and horse racing is similar but but football is ideal for that because you can, I mean, markets don't tend to move a lot in football on the day. So you can, in theory, get your bets on in the morning. And the main thing will be getting them matched. But you can obviously check up on that, you know, throughout the day and just, you know, see whether they get matched. And maybe you have to alter the odds a little bit as the day goes on. But again, that's not majorly time consuming. You know, especially for something that could potentially earn you a living. Just think about it that way. And I always think about that when someone thinks about time and whether something's worth investing in. And I think, yeah, but imagine you get to a stage where you can make a living from just placing bets, set and forget bets in the morning. And that's it. You, that's how you, make, you can make a living. Imagine all the other things you can do with your life. You could actually get more work. You could go and do a part-time job as well. And you'd have a steady income as well, a guaranteed income. And you could do that. And you could basically be making 
one and a half times a full-time wage from effectively doing a part-time job. Imagine that. Imagine working part-time but earning three times the amount you would normally earn working part-time. Um, I think that's such a good, especially for traders who are trying to adapt and work out what their goal is short term to go, okay, where can I get to in the next year or two that will really make me comfortable? Imagine getting to that situation. So that's kind of that's kind of where the sensibilities of it all originate. And that's where it all makes sense. You know, and when you're thinking about these more long term ways of making money, you shouldn't worry too much if you do have to take a two week break. You shouldn't worry too much about that stuff because I'm not thinking when I'm trading, I'm not thinking about how I do in the next two weeks. I'm thinking about how I do in the next two years. I'm, I couldn't care less how I perform in the next two weeks. I'm more interested in how I'm performing in the next two years. Think about it. If, if you can't get your head around that, think about it in terms of if you're investing in the stock market. Let's say you'd invest in some long term and your idea was to have long term fund, you invest in that and you just leave it. If you look in two weeks, you'll probably lose money or you probably won't have done much. But it's irrelevant because if you're keeping it in for the long term, all that matters to you is where it's at further down the line. But how many people will invest in a stock, then look in two weeks, panic, remove their share only to watch the profit they could have made over the next two years rise a lot? How many people will do that? A lot of people will do that. It's the same with trading. So I think sometimes it's short-sightedness when we try and force trades. We force ourselves into situations where we're trading. And really we know, probably deep down, we know this isn't ideal. And again, I think that after an international break, it's not ideal. So I want to apologize for that email I sent out. But the good thing is, I mean, I guess the positive from it, and every cloud has a silver lining, right? The positive from it is this. I'm not going to make that mistake again. One thing I do with my trading, one thing I learn is that when I make a mistake, I make sure I know that mistake. I write it down. I've got a list of them. <laughs> and I make sure I don't do it again. Because that's how you really, really excel as a trader. When you can go... I'm not going to keep making the same mistakes because the people who don't do well at betting and trading are the ones who just carry on chasing losses, trading in matches they know they shouldn't be involved in, using bigger stakes than they know they should. All these mistakes, all these common mistakes that people make, it's not a problem to make them. It's a problem to make them over and over again. And that's what people do. And that's why it's really really important to learn from your mistakes. So actually, if you join me and you traded those matches, I apologize. I do apologize that I should never have sent that out. But hopefully that's a mistake that we've learned. We've learned together to not do again. And actually that will save you a lot of money in the long run. I believe that will save you a lot of money. So again, that and again, that's that's how you should look at it when you have a situation like this. A lot of people will just go, oh, no, I lost money uh, 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 and get really upset. But actually, you could look at it and go, OK, this is something to learn from. And I'm not going to do that again. It will improve me as a trader. And in fact, that lost money will in the long run be a profitable thing for me because it will save me a lot of money 
over the years. And again, you should be looking at the long term. I'm always telling people this, right? Because I, I really struggle when someone joins, you know, Betfair trading community. Like, I want to be a trader. They start trading for a month. They already start using live stakes, even though they've only just started trading. And then they have a bad month and they quit trading. And they're like, oh, no, I'm just not good. And it's like, you've not given yourself a chance. You've not, you know, I often talk about investing in yourself for a year. I think investing in yourself for a year or two, you know, um, if you're one of those people who's serious about making money from this and serious about basically giving yourself an easier life in the long run when you do figure it out, then actually you should be investing in a year or two of your life. You know, build up a fund. I always think if, if I want to do something or if I want to buy something or whatever, I just build up a fund, you know, build up a fund, put put five quid a week aside. See how quickly that money adds up. You know, let's say you really, really just do not have any money. You say, I cannot be a member of Betfair Trading Community, even at the, the super low, super trader price point. I can't even afford to be a part of that. Well, just put a little bit of money aside each week. Maybe don't have that pint of beer, that extra pint of beer. You know, like it, it does not take long. <laughs> I'd say it would take a maximum of a year, even just putting a couple of quid a week aside. And suddenly you've got the money to invest in yourself for a couple of years as a trader. And, and that's huge, right? Anyway, guys, I hope you have a good week. And most importantly, make some money trading on Betfair.